Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Our story is Adam and Eve's story. We were hiding in the garden, making excuses for our sin, unable to cover up our shame. Our story is Jonah's story. We were running from God, denying our calling, surrounded by a raging sea. Our story is a prodigal son story. We were wasting our blessings, lost in our failures, too afraid to return home. Our story is Peter's story. We were unbelieving, full of fear and doubt, our faith slowly sinking beneath the waves. But that is not the end of our story. We are all longing to be restored. We want to stop running. We want to be found. We want to believe, and we are crying out for a savior. So God stepped in into a broken world, into human form, into our very lives. God stepped into our mess, into our sin, into our failure, our fear, our doubt. He stepped into death, and the door shut behind him. And then he arose and left it all in the grave. He wiped clean our story and started writing a new one. One without shame, without fear, without death. A story full of love and forgiveness. A story of redemption and restoration. It's our life story. It's his story. It's a resurrection story. Quite a story. Quite a story. Perhaps the greatest story the world has ever known. And I believe the most transformative story that we can ever hear, that we can ever know, that we can ever understand. A story that invites us to a place where we can belong. Would you pray with me as we begin the message today? Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth we thank you for the way that it speaks into our hearts. 
Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to receive what you would have us here today? Would you give us the grace to receive it? Would you give us the courage to live it out? But Lord, above all else, would you remind us of the love you have for each of us, a love that calls us to a place where we can belong. In your name we pray. Amen. In recent years, I've looked across the Easter narrative just like every other minister in the world. And we look at it and we wonder, what is it that we would want to say? What is it that God would have us say about Easter? And I remember a minister friend of mine once said, and I've sort of coined the phrase uh, a little bit, it's, if you genuinely find something new to say from Scripture, you're either incredibly holy or you're incredibly wrong. You're either incredibly holy or you're incredibly wrong because I stand here on some 2,000 years of Christian tradition, of worship, of witness, of service. But what a privilege it is to be able to proclaim the good news that Jesus has risen today. So often when I look at this narrative, the one we heard as the service began from John's Gospel, chapter 20, I look at it and I see all the reasons that we have to believe in it, the evidence, the, the things that are illogical about it if it was to be a fabrication. And so often when I've preached Easter Sunday, that's what I share about because I know and I anticipate that there'll be people in the room and people joining us online that do not have a faith of their own. And so I want to present something compelling of why it is I believe one of the many reasons that I believe based on the text and the evidence, the scholarship that presents the truth that Jesus is risen. But that's not where God took me this year. I believe that God wants you to hear that the Easter story, at its very core, is an invitation to belong somewhere. That the truth of the resurrection of all that Jesus did, of all that Jesus achieved when He defeated death and was risen from the grave, was that we might, that you might, find a place to belong, a place, a family that you could call truly home. This morning we begin a whole new series a series that's called Belong, Believe, Behave. I like it because they all start with B. That's the thing, it's called alliteration in a preaching technique. Belong, believe, behave. For many of us, when we grew up in church, and who here has had a history of growing up in church, or you had parents who grew up in church, or whatever? There's something about growing up in church that your pattern of faith looks something like this. You got up Sunday morning and mum or grandma told you to put on your Sunday best, told you to go to church. You attended Sunday school because it was there and sometimes they gave you food and you came home for a roast lunch of some sort and the family was all together. Can anyone relate to that as a Sunday experience? And if you move to a new town, if you as a family, you moved somewhere, 
You spent time scoping out the local churches where you're going to go to the Methodist one, the Presbyterians, the Congregationals, Lutheran, Anglican, Assemblies of God as it was perhaps back then, or ACC as it is now. Seventh-day Adventist, Church of the Nazarene. You scoped them all out, and, but what you were doing as a family was either you were trying to figure out where you knew where your family came from, so that's where you went. If we were Methodists, we went to a Methodist church. Uniting church, go to a uniting church. But you scoped them all out. And then as a family, you went through membership to make sure that you believed all the same things that this church believed. And you kept an eye on how people behaved and how they dressed to make sure that you would fit in. To know when you could sit and to know when you could stand. Were we meant to sit for the songs or stand for the songs? Do we sit... Sit for the prayers or do we stand for the prayers? Do we sit for the gospel reading or do we stand for the gospel reading? All the traditions are different. But you looked around to figure out how to behave. And then once all of that was squared away, once you believed the right things and you behaved the right ways, then you could belong in the right place. It's a familiar pattern. But as I spoke to people in the town in these, in these recent weeks, as I discerned what it was God wanted to say, there was a rhythm that started to come out. That in the 21st century culture that we're a part of now, belief, behave, belong, is the wrong order. It's backwards. Because friends, in this day and age, before people behave the right ways, or believe the right things, they need to know that they belong. And that might be your story this morning. You need to know. You woke up this morning and you felt like you were missing, absent. You didn't know where to fit. You didn't know what, all the, what life means anymore. And you came here this morning. You're joining us online with a question in your heart. Where do I fit? Where do I belong? And I want to tell you this morning the truth of the gospel, the truth of the resurrection is that Jesus is risen so that you can find a place to belong in this world. That it's not principally about belief. It's not about behavior. It's first about discovering a place to belong. What I find really interesting is when we look to the first century, to the narrative of Jesus' life and ministry. He didn't begin with believe. He didn't begin with behave. He began with belong. He began with a relationship. That morning, after everything had fallen apart, that morning, after his disciples had scattered, that morning, when it seemed like all hope was lost, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala in the text, and some of the other women went to the tomb, and they were shocked with what they saw. They expected to find a tomb. It was where they were told it was going to be, but the stone was rolled away. It was empty. Jesus' body wasn't there. Jesus wasn't where Joseph and Nicodemus had put him, had given him his final rest. And Mary ran back to the disciples 
and shared with them this curious situation. He's not where we thought, he's not where you said he was going to be. He's not where we expected him to be. Jesus' body is gone. And Peter and John took off to the garden. And of course, we read John's gospel, so John was going to be faster. It's the way this thing works. John got there first, and he saw the strips of linen that they'd used to wrap Jesus' body, the same strips of linen. And if they stole his body, why would they unwrap it? What's the purpose of that? The shroud that was there that covered his face is folded up, sitting there. Why would, why would they do that if they were going to take the body? They would just steal it, right? And puffing, Peter catches up. That's what I would have been like running to the garden, just quietly. And instead of waiting outside because of, he knew that if he touched a body, you know, they'd, if he went into the tomb, he'd be unclean for the rest of the worshipping week. Instead of waiting outside like John does, he's straight in there. And there is no body, just as Mary said. It doesn't make any sense. And John believes something, although we don't get told what he believed. We just get told that he believed something of what Jesus had said. Something was amiss. He hadn't put it together, but he believed something. Peter was despondent, and they left the garden profoundly confused. But then we pick up in verse 11. The men are gone, and we're left with a woman named Mary of Magdala. And she stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over and she looked in the tomb, but she saw something different to what the others had seen. She saw two angels, two men clad in white, sitting where Jesus' body would have been, one at the head, one at the feet. And they asked her a question. And this is how, there's been some debate, um, uh, angels men or women? I think this is a solid case for angels being men. Because they ask her the question, they look at her, why are you crying? What a dumb question. Why are you crying? Surely they would have known. So that tells me angels have got to be men, at least in this situation, to ask a question like that. Why are you crying? They ask her. She responds, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. I don't know where they've put my Lord. And the question of Mary, why are you crying? I wonder, can you relate to that this morning? Because it's not, it might, this morning it might not be that you have tears in your eyes. But it might be that there's a brokenness in your spirit, an emptiness, a sense of something missing in your life. And I think the angel's question is as relevant to you and to me as it was to Mary. Why are you crying? What has broken you? What's troubling you? What's missing? And it's almost like there's a tone to it, though. They say, it's almost like, haven't you, why are you crying? Haven't you pieced all of this together? Haven't you connected the dots? Don't you believe what your eyes are showing you right now? But she persists. She misses the question. She just says, I don't know where they've put 
my Lord. And then she's aware suddenly of a, of a gardener behind her, a man that she assumes is a gardener. But she did not realize that this man was Jesus. And he asks her a question. He says, woman, or dear woman, there's affection in the Greek. Woman, why are you crying? Dear woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Who are you looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him so that I may go and get him. If you took him, I'm not mad, I just need to know where so that I can go get him and give him the proper honoring, the anointing that I came here to give him this morning, that I came here to honor him with this morning. Where have you put him? And in that moment, she turns, or he says to her, Mary. Mary. Mary, it's me. Mary, it's, it's me. And she recognizes him, just like that. And she embraces him. She embraces him. What was it in that moment? What was it in that moment that enabled her to see Jesus for who he was? What was it that opened her eyes to the truth? What was that? What God showed me this morning was it's Jesus called her by name. He wasn't, she wasn't just a dear woman. She was Mary. She was suddenly known. She was given something profound, a sense of belonging. Suddenly she was seen, suddenly she was known. Jesus taught earlier in, his, in, the, in John's Gospel that he was the good shepherd. And the good shepherd knows all of his sheep by name. And the good shepherd's sheep know the shepherd's voice. In that moment, Mary experienced a sense of belonging when she heard the good shepherd's voice. When she heard the good shepherd call her by name, she found a place of belonging. In the darkness, trying to make sense of life, trying to figure out and piece together whose fault it was that Jesus had died, whose fault it was that his body was gone. As she's trying to put things right, as she's trying to find Jesus' body to give him a proper burial, Jesus finds her. Jesus finds her. And I wonder this morning, maybe you came this morning with a sense of trying to put the world back together. That your world has fallen apart, that there's something missing, there's a brokenness, there's an emptiness. 
there's a void. And you've been working your hardest to try and figure out whose fault it is and what you can do to fix it. Where's the body that I can put back where it belongs? Where's the thing that I can give a proper honor so that my life can go back to a sense of normal, so that I can find a place of order? And what I believe I'm here to share with you this morning is that while you are looking in the garden, in the darkness of the morning, while you're looking to find those things to try and piece a life back together, Jesus is there and he is calling you by name. Whilst you are looking for the truth, Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life, has chosen to come and find you. And in finding you, offer you something extraordinary. A sense of connection, a sense of belonging a sense of joy and hope and fulfillment for your life. And he says to Mary, after he has revealed himself to her by name, he says, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. I can't stay with you, he says. But go instead. Go to my brother's and sisters, Adelphoi, it's a gender-inclusive term, but it's often missed in this. So go to my brothers and sisters, my siblings, and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Notice what happens. What's changed? What's changed? Jesus goes from Lord and teacher, Rabboni, to brother, sister, sibling. In this moment, Jesus offers a sense of belonging that is richer and deeper than just an understanding or a belief. He offers a sense of belonging as if the disciples, as if Mary is now family. And that the God that they believed in, Yahweh, He is Jesus' God, but He is also their God. He is Jesus' Father, but He is also her Father. And the truth of the gospel this morning is that through what Jesus has done, you and I get to call God Father. And Jesus becomes a sibling a brother, with someone with whom we can find belonging and sense and a sense of purpose. And notice what happens to Mary. She goes from being a follower to an apostle, to someone with a mission, to someone with a message, to someone with a purpose, to someone with a greater sense of significance than she had when she walked into the garden, than she had when she was searching to try and piece life together for herself, to try and make meaning in the darkness. She's known by name, given a sense of belonging, and given a purpose for her life, which is greater than that she had ever known. A purpose to declare the truth of the kingdom to those that had yet to discover it. Friends, this morning, 
the belonging that you and I are offered is something that gives us a point of connection, but also a calling and a purpose for our life. A purpose that is greater than anything we have known. A purpose for which you were created. And so it might be this morning you were, you've been left wondering, how do I fit into the world? I've got to tell you the truth of Easter. The truth of the resurrection is that Jesus has a word for you of where you belong. And that is in relationship with your heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. And so I believe that that's where faith begins. Faith begins not with believing all the complexity of, of Christianity. It doesn't begin with behaving the right ways, wearing the right things, sitting in the right direction. It doesn't even come with rocking up on time, as much as that pains me. It comes from discovering the truth that you belong. You belong. You belong. And I believe that God loved the world so much that He gave His Son so that you could belong. That He would die for your sins so that you could belong. So that I could belong. That He would be risen from the grave so that we can belong. And I believe that God is inviting you to put your trust in Jesus and discover that there is a place for you to belong. It doesn't require you to believe all the complexity yet. It doesn't even require you to behave the right ways. Instead, it requires you to find a sense of belonging first and discover all that Jesus has for you. So I believe that you're not here by accident today. I believe you're here to hear that good news. I believe you're joining us online to hear that good news, that Jesus is risen so that you can find a place to belong. And whether you're ready to believe or not, if you're visiting with us, I believe this community can be a place you can find belonging. Before you believe, before you behave, you can belong because of what Jesus did for you on the cross and from the way he rose from the grave. So Jesus is risen. He's calling you by name to discover the place that you truly belong. Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it, it challenges us. And Lord, some of us have heard this story so many times we've lost track of how it fits together. We've lost track of why it's even significant. We've, we've forgotten how it even has the ability to transform lives. But Lord, we believe that your spirit is at work here today. Bringing renewal and transformation into people's lives. Bringing understanding. 
and bringing a sense of belonging that is more rich and more wonderful than anything that this life can offer. And that we search the world. It cannot fill us, but Lord, you can. Because you offer us a place to belong. A place where we can connect. A place where we can find a purpose and a significance. A place where our sins are set free. A place where we can be free. So Lord, I pray for those this morning that are hearing that for the first time. Lord, I pray that they could put their trust in you this morning for the first time. That they can lay their sins at your feet, the brokenness and the emptiness that they've been searching the world to try and fill and discover that it is only filled through belonging at home with you. Praise you, Lord, for who you are. Praise you, Lord, for all you have done. And praise you, Lord, that you have risen. And for that, we are eternally grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. And we hope that today you can feel like you belong here if you uh, want to be part of... Uh, Gawley Uniting Church and the wider churches in the parish here. And one of the things that we are here to do is we can pray with you. If you feel you need prayer today or you've made a commitment to Jesus today, please come down the front at the end of the service and there will be someone there who can pray with you. We also have tea and coffee and fellowship. Come, get to know each other. Make sure that you've given the chance to uh, get to know a few people and then you'll start to feel like you can belong here in Gawler. Um, if you're online, please reach out, write a message so that we can get in contact with you. We have life groups. Life groups are a fantastic way to know that you belong. You belong with Christ and that there are people in this world who want to care for you and know you more, just like Christ knows you and knows your name, each and every one of you. We're just going to sing one final song. Yours be the glory, because he is risen today. So we're going to stand now and sing. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed, because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help, head to gawleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.